China's increasing military pressure on Taiwan has raised international concern about the safety of the island. One country after another has come out in support of Taiwan. U.S. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney doubts President Xi Jinping will live up to his country's international obligations and has introduced a China watcher bill to reassess the one China policy and keep Taiwan from becoming another Hong Kong. Let's hear what she has to say. That China has clamped down and, and uh, you know, stifled the efforts in, in Hong Kong, I don't want Taiwan to be a Hong Kong. And so revisiting the one China policy is something I think we really need to do because China is not living up. And I, I see China in a general sense, meaning the People's Republic of China, Xi Jinping, they are not living up to their end of the bar. I want to make sure that the administration stands up, which is why I think my China Watcher bill is so important right now. And we stand with Taiwan. Taking Hong Kong as an example, Representative Tenney points out to the lack of respect that Xi has shown for China's commitments. She doesn't want to see Taiwan become the next Hong Kong and so has introduced her China Watcher Bill as a way to ensure that the Biden administration keeps tabs on China to live up to its global obligations. To give some of Taiwan's diplomatic friends a taste of Taiwan's popular culture, Vice President Lai Qingde hosted mission directors from the U.S., U.K., Japan, Australia and India in the typical Taiwan pastime of shrimp fishing. All delighted in the activity, showing great cheer from readying their poles to landing their catch. Adding to the fun was a bit of friendly competition to see who could win the golden rod by catching the most shrimp. First, judge the depth by plumbing the pool with the rod. Then adjust the bobber, put on the bait, and get ready to hook a shrimp. Look, it's like a lobster. It's huge. <laughs> AIT director Sandra Odkirk holds a shrimp to show off her catch. Following her lead, India's director Gorangala Das, Australia's Jenny Bloomfield, Japan's Izumi Hiroyasu, and the UK's John Dennis each catch one of their own in succession. Oh, the presence of each of you here in Taiwan shows that we share a common destiny that has made Taiwan good friends with the U.S., Australia, the U.K., Japan, and India. Here in Taiwan, we have the custom of sharing good things with good friends. And so I have invited each of you to take part in a typical Taiwanese pastime. To help the de facto ambassadors gain an even better understanding of Taiwan, Vice President Lai invited them to share in the unique Taiwan experience of indoor shrimp fishing. The event also included a golden rod competition to see who could land the most shrimp. In the end, it was India's representative who took the prize. Best of all, everybody shared the bounty with a poolside shrimp barbecue immediately after. The good appetites and good cheer shared by all are sure to leave an indelible impression. 
With the year-end referendum approaching, the DPP has been rallying citizens to come out and vote against each of the four propositions. Both President Tsai Ing-wen and Premier Su Zhenchang were at a public briefing in Xinju Sunday, where they blasted the KMT for holding Taiwan back from progress. They asked attendees to vote no on each issue. But at this moment, there are powers that want to hold Taiwan back and prevent it from moving forward. I want to talk about the fourth nuclear power plant's referendum and to say to everybody, let's vote no to the reopening of the plant in the referendum. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan and Xinju Mayor Lin Zhijian were also on hand telling everyone to come out on December 18th and vote no on each of the four propositions. Around 594,000 AstraZeneca vaccines arrived in Taiwan over the weekend. The vaccines have an expiration date in November take out one week for inspection, and all the vaccines have just two weeks to be administered before expiring. Some wonder whether there is enough time. On Sunday, CECC spokesman Zhuang Renxiang said Taiwan had accepted the shipment because there's still plenty of people who haven't received their second shot of AZ. He is confident that the whole shipment's vaccines can be administered in time. According to the CECC, there are still 1.83 million people who still need their second shot, and the current shipment will be able to meet that demand in a timely manner. This batch of AZ was ordered by Taiwan and landed Saturday evening on a flight from Bangkok. Taiwan has purchased a total of 7.12 million doses of the AZ vaccine to date. Taiwan researchers say they found a potential therapy for vascular dementia. Vascular dementia occurs when blood flow to the brain is reduced, killing off brain cells and causing cognitive problems. During experiments on mice, researchers found that they could stimulate new brain cells to grow by applying repeated doses of low-intensity ultrasound. For most of the news reporter, Stephanie Yang has more. Vascular dementia commonly affects the elderly and it often leads to behavior disorder and cognitive impairment. There is currently no known cure. However, a Taiwanese research team has discovered a promising direction toward an effective, non-invasive treatment. They're testing the potential of a transcranial low-intensity ultrasound. Vascular dementia is a very common thing. A big stroke can cause muscle weakness in the arms and legs. Many cases involve minor strokes, which affect parts of the brain, causing the loss of memory and dementia. But if you apply a constant stimulus to your brain, you may be able to regenerate brain cells. A Taiwanese research team found that repeated low-intensity ultrasound exposure could stimulate the development of new brain cells and mice. We made several large discoveries. First, we discovered that microenergy ultrasound has clinical applications. What is the mechanism behind the process? That's the second discovery. Our third finding is that it is indeed true that new neurons can grow in specific parts of the brain. The team has plans to conduct human trials in the future. Their findings were published in the international journal eLife. For most of news, Stephanie Yang, Huang Ongyu in Taipei. 
Baseball, ballet, bowling. In big cities, children have a wealth of choices when it comes to after-school activities. But in remote areas of Taiwan, the options are far fewer. And many children are left to themselves once class lets out. One exception is Taidong's Luye Township, which is home to a renowned archery program. The program has trained hundreds of children since 2010, many of them from low-income families. Through bow and arrow, it's given kids a reason to aim high and to stick to their education. In tonight's Sunday special report, we go to Taidong to see how the unusual sport has made a difference in the community. Xiaoting is 10 years old and a fifth grader at Taidong's Rayuan Elementary School. She was brought up single-handedly by her grandmother. In recent years, grandma's health has deteriorated to the point of needing kidney dialysis every week. Tagging along with grandma is not an option, so every hospital visit leaves Xiaoting and her cousin with nothing to do but roam around their school alone. One day, Xiaoting ran into some older students practicing archery on the school sports field. She was entranced. On weekends, there were several times that I saw them both over at the hallway. They were just hiding over there, watching us. I walked over, wondering why there were kids hanging around at school on a non-school day. How come they weren't at home and there were no adults watching them? I asked them, why are you two playing here? She said, there's no one at home, but I saw that you're doing archery here. I have nothing else to do, so I thought I might as well come and watch. Seeing that the girls had nowhere to go, the archery coach invited them to join the session. She really is a timid little girl. Her homework was a total mess, but after doing archery for just one year, we found that she was doing substantially better in class. She was more confident in herself. Her tutor told me that before, she wouldn't even want to count out numbers in math class. But during the last school term, she asked her teacher, how about we do some math? It's like her whole state of mind has changed. About half of the 71 students at Rayuan Elementary come from disadvantaged households. In many families struggling to make ends meet, there is often no time to fuss over education. Their parents are mostly farmers, so they work long hours. The second factor is the population here. Younger people mostly move away. Their parents move away for work, so the children end up being raised by their grandparents. In 2010, Rayuan Elementary decided to found an archery team to help children with insufficient family support. Getting the basics right is crucial in archery. Younger students start off by stretching and conditioning their arms. Then they can progress to practicing with elastic bands, holding the bow and drawing the bowstring. Advance further and the students start practicing with recurve bows, like the ones used by archers in the Olympics. 
One recurve bow can weigh up to 5 kilograms, and they aren't cheap. A basic bow starts at 20,000 NT or 30,000 NT. For a professional model, the price tag starts at 100,000 NT. The school could have chosen to invest in a track and field team or a basketball team. Why did it start with a sport that requires so much expensive equipment? You saw it just now. Our kids are on the thinner side. Why is that? It's because of their economic background. We have quite a few students from disadvantaged families who might not be getting good nutrition. Unlike some other sports, archery has no requirements on body height or body weight or any other external factors. As long as you can draw the bowstring, you can train. The student's physique has no bearing on archery training, which rewards concentration and perseverance. If you're not focused enough, the moment you release the arrow, it might fall off your mark. You might even miss the target altogether or hit the ground. So you need to be highly focused. You can't let your environment affect you, and you can't affect the people next to you. That's the only way you can aim properly at the target and make sure the arrow hits the gold rings. This is Wang Yaoqing, a ninth grader and a graduate of Rayun Elementary. On weekdays, he goes back to his alma mater to help coach archery. He's a steady and serious teenager. But as a young child, he was a headache for his teachers. I used to bully my classmates. I was unruly. I loved stirring up trouble. I'd skip class to loiter around in the Ruiyuan community. After exhausting every other avenue of reaching him, his teachers convinced him to join the archery team. After a period of tough training, Wang developed into an obedient and focused child. He found confidence and a sense of direction, and he left behind his days of roaming the streets aimlessly. Archery armed him with conviction and a concept of camaraderie. It's like a family, my mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters, something like that. I ask them when their birthdays are, like what day and what month, so that we can celebrate them. We hold parties for the students born that month, and we celebrate together. There was once a kid who came up to the cake and said, Coach, is this a cake? I replied, Yes, it's a cake. Have you never seen a cake before? The kid said, Coach, in my 12 years of life, I have never before seen a birthday cake. Nine years ago, coach Chiu Ling Li married her husband and moved from her native Taichung to Taidong. She and her husband both teach archery, and together they train the elementary school's team. In 2019, her husband started teaching at the National Taidong University Affiliated Physical Education Senior High School. That meant she had to start leading the team on her own. From time to time, they ask me, Coach, are we training on Saturday? I say, you want to train on Saturday? Can I rest a bit on Saturday? They say, but Coach, if you rest, where are we supposed to go? So I'm like, fine, if I go, will all of you come? Yes, we'll all come if you come. And then they ask, well, how about Sunday? I say, you won't let go of me even on Sunday? 
I have to go home and take care of my kids. But then they just say, it's okay coach, just bring them over and we can take care of them together. We can play together. If you don't come, we really don't know where to go. But of course, all practice sessions eventually came to an end, and the children once again end up on the streets. Seeing youth with nowhere to go, people in the community stepped in to provide a solution. In 2014, they opened up the Reagan Study Center. It's here where the children of the archery team can be found once practice is over for the day. Sunday is Li Dong on the lunar calendar, which marks the start of winter, and as if on cue, an exceptionally strong cold air mass will hit northern Taiwan tomorrow. The Central Weather Bureau says Monday's weather will, for northern Taiwan will be the complete opposite of Sunday's as cold air ushers in low temperatures and wet weather. The moisture will dissipate on Wednesday, leaving the island drier but still cold. Temperatures in open areas along the northern coast will dip to 12 degrees under the effects of radiative cooling. The sun shone brightly early Sunday morning, bringing people out of their homes to bask in it. Some practiced Tai Chi while others took in the sights. The balmy weather won't last, though, as Sunday night will usher in drastically different weather. Zheng Mingdian, the head of the Central Weather Bureau, posted on Facebook that a cold air mass which has already plunged temperatures in Xinjiang, is approaching. In front of it is a large low-pressure system, whose front is expected to arrive Taiwan overnight. The main front will arrive Sunday night, and the temperature change will be rapid. Due to the rapid speed of the cold air masses approach, starting in the early hours of tomorrow, temperatures will drop noticeably as if going down a slide. We expect the highs in northern Taiwan between today and tomorrow to drop by about 10 degrees. As the cold air approaches, rain is also coming in from southern China. On Monday and Tuesday, northern and eastern regions will see brief showers with daytime temperatures hovering between 16 and 20 degrees. Wet and cold will be the order of the day. Copious precipitation could lead to rime and sleet in alpine regions, even snow. Central and southern regions will be mostly fair with highs reaching 28 degrees. However, from Wednesday to Friday, weather for the whole island will turn to being dry and cold. Radiative cooling might see the mercury drop to 16 degrees in central and southern regions and 14 degrees or less in northern and eastern regions. Open areas along the coast may even see 12 degrees. Whether this cold air mass will be the first continental cold air mass of the winter season remains to be seen. This wave of cold air will keep its intensity. It's expected to be the strongest cold air of this fall season so far, and there is a good chance it will be. It won't let up until after Saturday when the cold air's intensity gradually reduces. Temperatures will rise noticeably after Saturday. On Monday, the temperature will plunge by as much as 10 degrees in the north. The public is reminded to bundle up and bring an umbrella.